Amen. Thank you so much. Aruba was awesome. It's more than everything is cracked up to be and more. And the food's really good there. If you ever go, bring a lot of money to pay for food, though. Because <laughs> you pay dearly for it. But man, it's so, it's like it explodes in your mouth. It's like, God, I've never tasted, fr- even the fruit tastes better there. Everything tastes better. The bread even is better. Well, Becky was talking about the olive grove, and that's one of the things they give you over there is these crushed up olives and olive oil they put on your bread. That's the olive press. That's really where the anointing comes from is being pressed, right? So I did want to tell you one thing before I give you this message that the Lord was showing me uh, pretty strongly during worship. And, uh, but, you know, a lot of people were bringing some good stuff, so I didn't want to disrupt it. But um, there, the river of God was in this room this morning. And, you know, if you're not familiar with the river of God, it really came... When Christ was crucified, when they stabbed him in the side, and it says water and blood flowed out of his side, that was the beginning of the river of God being released into the earth. It's the most precious thing. Uh, it, you know, the Bible says in Revelation, it, th- it flows from the throne of God and is of Christ. So to me, the river of God is it's everything. It's really the Spirit of God. It's, it's, but it was here, and it was waist-deep. I could fill it up to my waist. I could literally fill myself in water up to my waist. And this is not Aruba water because I don't get in ocean water anymore, just to be honest with you. But maybe my toes, that's about it because there are fish that bite. So I wasn't having any flashbacks there. And I was asking the Lord about it, though. Uh, and the Lord said, if you really want this river, you've you got to humble yourself. And if you'll humble yourself you can have this experience in a greater way. So I got down on my knees because I wanted my head. I wanted my head in that river. I wanted my thinking in that river. And when I did, I spent a little bit of time down there with the Lord, and then I came, I set up, and it was up to my heart. It was covering my heart. And it made it a little bit easier to bow and get in. So I really feel like humility is really the key. Is for a lot of people in this room... If you really want everything that God has for you, God is really asking you to, to surrender and humble yourself. That's your key. That's the key for the move of God. That's the key for everything that God has is surrender. As we surrender to Him and we humble ourselves, God is able to do what God does. Because God, the Bible says, God resists the proud or knows the proud from afar. In other words, it feels like there's a distance. It's not really a distance, but there is a distance in our hearts. But when you, it says he gives grace to the humble. When you humble yourself, God will, will meet you big time. And I believe God wants to really move in people's lives. And I think the, the, what we have to do, though, we have to humble ourselves. And as we humble ourselves, it gives the Holy Spirit a chance to, to do what he wants to do. Amen. I it was a pretty powerful experience. I love the river of God. I hate to tell you that. Okay, um, so I'm going to do this message now, okay? Y'all all right? Maybe you won't be in a minute. <laughs> well, on October the 30th, 2016, I started this series of messages, which I thought maybe be three, three or four messages. That's what I sort of had in my mind. On the spirit and power of Elijah. Because I feel like God really brought that out 
to my heart. As a matter of fact, that was the day Jerry and Judy had come back from Israel, and somebody in Israel had prayed for them about the spirit and power of Elijah while they were on Mount Carmel, no less, right? I mean, they were in the, in the place. And they... A powerful man of God that died, passed. Yeah, so they were able to get prayed for him by this man, and then they came and prayed for me that Sunday. So I, I was very, that very much encouraged me. It kind of messed me up, though, because my three messages got, I've done a lot of messages on this. Uh, you probably don't remember that, but I do, because uh, I went back on our website and looked at them to see. <laughs> That's why I remember most of them. Um, but I think this is the end today. That's what I'm telling you. Because, and you know, the Lord can confound you and make a joke out of you if He wants to. But um, this is where I want to stop, at least for now. Amen? So I want to talk to you today. I'm going to read John uh, 3, 22 through 30. It says, After these things, Jesus and His disciples came into the land of Judea, and there He remained with them and baptized. They were baptized. Remember I told you that John the Baptist, a couple of weeks ago, I told you that John the Baptist was the first man, person, at least in the Hebrew culture, that ever baptized a person. That was amazing. Before that, in the Jewish culture, uh, or, or they were people being baptized, but they were having to baptize themselves. Right? They were, the Pharisees made people do these purification baths. And they, someone was telling me they literally would have to make people near about scrub their skin off trying to get the bad stuff off of them. And then John comes and he starts, he starts doing it. And the thing that really just jumped out at me and touched me with that is, is, is what baptism means is death. We're being buried. How can a dead man, how can a dead man baptize himself? He can't. He can't. So God was showing something even in the baptism, the water baptism. He was showing something powerful with John the Baptist and what he was doing, to, trying to make a point that what, was, what they were doing, what people were doing doesn't work. Religion doesn't work. All that doesn't work. Only thing that works is what God does. And that was really the whole thing that God was trying to teach people through baptism is that he had something new, he had something better. And it's powerful. And so if you've never been water baptized, you should. I'm just telling you, you should do it. It'll make a difference in your life. It really will. And sometimes you might need to do it. If I ever go to Israel, or maybe I should say when, for Franklin's, Franklin's benefit. Where's Franklin at? Franklin asked me, why? He asked me, why? when did I go to Israel? I said, I haven't. And he was shocked that I hadn't. So, and he was fussing at me. So I'm going to get baptized when I go to Israel in the Jordan River. Yes, sir. I'm planning on doing that. But anyway, so Jesus was baptizing, and now John was also baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was much water there. And, and they came and were baptized. People were coming and being baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison, sort of telling his future. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about Purification. It was about baptism. They were arguing with him about this, this beautiful thing. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptized, baptizing, and all were coming to him. <laughs> That's a bad day for your ministry when somebody else is taking over and everybody's leaving you. 
But John, was a, he had something, answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it's been given to him for he- from heaven. Isn't that one of the most beautiful phrases in the Bible? When are we going to get it? When are we going to get it? When are we going to get that? That our whole Christian existence, everything that we do, everything that we say, everything we're about is all about receiving something. Not achieving something. Not about achieving something. It's all about receiving. And that's what John was saying. This is all about receiving something. And if you don't receive something, you have nothing. And he was saying, I've received what God had for me. He, He really saw things right. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I'm not the Christ but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. And he's given us a picture of what he was doing. But the friend of the bridegroom, which would be like one of the, one of the guys who come up front, you know, the men who come up front in our weddings and stand, you know, the, the best man would be like John. He was saying, I was the best man, um, but I'm not, the, I'm not the bride. I'm not the bridegroom. Uh, he... He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase and I must decrease. I'll just mention this, he must increase, because that's sort of a misunderstood thing. It's really uh, Jesus' ministry, Jesus' influence must increase. That's what he was talking about. It's like God wasn't doing away with John the Baptist in that sense. He was wanting John to become all John was meant to be. Y'all got that? So before God moves, he usually gives people, different people, a vision of what he's doing. And he, and he gives them an anointing to prepare, to prepare the way. It's, it's a forerunner anointing. And that's what John was. He was a forerunner to prepare for Christ to come and, and to, to reveal himself. And so that's what he was saying, that my time has, is coming to an end. My, I've, I've fulfilled my ministry. I've, I've caused Christ to be brought forth in Israel uh, and, and recognized in Israel. And so God, that's the way God still works today is, is God is, is wanting to anoint people uh, and with this forerunner anointing and where they begin to have a vision, they begin to see something that nobody else is seeing. Nobody else was seeing anything. Nobody else was seeing what John was seeing, but obviously that he was getting something from heaven or he would have never did something nobody else ever did, baptize. You know, and I said, uh, if you remember those story about him, all the people went out to where he was at. It says all of Jerusalem, Judea, the whole countryside flocked to him. They flocked to him. There was this powerful anointing on him. And the anointing was really ultimately to prepare the way for the anointing of the Lord to be released. And that's what the spirit of Elijah is all about. It's about preparing for the Lord. It's about bringing Christ forth. And that's why it's such a powerful thing for the church to really tap into this anointing. The same anointing. The spirit of Elijah. The spirit and power of Elijah. Is to, is to, you know, the Bible says the ultimate purpose of God in, in Ephesians 1.10 is for all things to be summed up in Christ. 
And that's what this anointing is about. It's to, to sum all things, to bring all things to this person, to make this person of Jesus great in the world. That's really what it's really, if you want to boil it all down, that's what it's all about. So all that stuff I shared since last, if you want to boil it down to this, it's to make Jesus great in the world. It's to reveal this person. That's what God, why God wants, he's looking for a people who are willing to receive this. He's looking for, listen, let me tell you this. He wants to give you stuff that nobody else is seeing. He wants to give you, a, speak, of, speak something into your heart and give you vision, things that people are not seeing, and, and give you a boldness to begin to release that. And, and give you a boldness to kind of go against the flow. You know what I'm saying? The flow of, of Christianity in the earth today, the flow of church in the earth today, the flow of whatever the whole Christian spiritual thing is, God's looking for people who want to maybe hear something a little different. A little different emphasis, a little different way, a little different thought that God wants to release in the earth. I, I'm, I'm fully convinced of that. I hope you are. Well, I think I wanted to say this this morning about friendship. Uh, because he said friend of the bridegroom, about being a friend. Uh, it says the friend, the friend of the bridegroom hears the voice of the Lord. And so I want to say to consistently hear the voice of the Lord there needs to be a development of friendship between you and the Lord. I'm just going to tell you that. If anybody can hear God speak, uh, truthfully, even unsaved people can hear God speak and know that it's God. Um, because I got saved because, because I heard God speak. And I, wasn't, I was a bad person at that moment, really, and doing bad stuff. But I was able to hear God. You know, faith comes by hearing, right? So... But the beer to consistently, I'm talking about consistently hear the voice of the Lord. It's, there's this friendship that God is offering people. And, and, you know, when God speaks to you, there's a transforming power in, in His voice. There's something that happens when we hear the Lord. I love this scripture. Psalm 29 verse 9 says, The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. Isn't that powerful? The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. What is more joyful? One of the most joyful things that happens is when a baby's born. Isn't that right? You know, the Bible says that. You know, a woman suffers and goes through all this terrible thing, and then all of a sudden when she has the baby, she forgets it all because she's got this beautiful thing. Oh, you'll go, I mean, I've went and sat at the hospital waiting room for hours on end waiting on one of my grandchildren to be born. Uh, you know, I don't really want to do that, but I would for, for a baby being born into my family, to see that baby and then to lay my eyes on that child and hold that baby. There's something so special about that that's incredible. Holding those babies and, and loving a person that, you, that has never done anything for you, that has never said anything nice to you, uh, done nothing but cause you, cost you money and time up to that moment. You know, that's about it. Money and time. And if it's your wife, you know, the, the affliction that you get from a pregnant woman. You know? I mean, you know, my whole motto in life when I, Becky was having babies was stay out of the way of a pregnant woman. She can have her, her way about everything. Because, I, you know, or I was going to suffer, you know. But once you hold that baby, I, I just I re- just remember holding, I remember when uh, Emma Lou was born, our first grandchild, holding her, and I was in awe of my love for her. 
because I realize she's done nothing for me to love her, but I would, I would do anything for her. I told her, you have everything that I have is yours. You can have anything, anything, because I felt that love. And that's just a little drop in the bucket of how God feels about us when he looks at us. And John said that this is, this, therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. When he's talking about when God speaks, when God does something in your life, that's what brings a lot of joy in your life. So I would say this morning, for those of us who struggle to hear the Lord, you know, perhaps the Lord is calling you into friendship. Perhaps the Lord is asking you to consider, consider being a friend of God. I, when I was at my last birthday, I was having this pondering thought about friendship with God. For some reason, I was pondering friendship. And I decided, uh, and I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or if it was just me, but I said, this is what I would like for you to give me for my birthday this year, Lord, is friendship, your friendship. I want, I want to be a friend. I want to learn what it means to be a friend. And so I've gone on this journey of trying to be a friend of God, and I've discovered some things. I'm going to just go ahead and give you my punchline for the whole thing. Uh, it's a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. Friendship is not something to be achieved. It's something to be received. Now, that's the bottom. If I can tell you, that's what I've learned to this moment. That's the most important thing I've learned about being a friend of God. It's not something you achieve. It's something you receive. Yeah, and hang on to that. But And I'll, I'll, I'm going to try to go and finish this thing. i got a few things I want to say. What is friendship? Okay, this is the question. What is friendship? Because, see, in my journey, I wanted to understand friendship. Okay, not just friendship with God because, listen, God's invisible, right? And when he speaks, 99.99 tenths of the times, there's no audible voice. (laughs) For a lot of Christians, they'll never hear the audible voice of God until they get to heaven. So here you are trying to have friendship with this invisible being, that you can't hear him talk audibly if, with your natural ears. You can't see him with your eyes. You can't feel him with your flesh most of the times. Like, dude, this is going to be a very interesting friendship here. I mean, you know, I'm doing a lot of talking. I'm not doing a lot of hearing. You know, so, I mean, we got sort of a one-sided friendship going. So, that's the question. What is friendship? So, friendship is hard to define because it's more of an intangible feeling than something concrete. Even in the natural Friendship's intangible. In the natural, it's, it's not always a concrete feeling that you have with your friends. You just know who they are. So you have a hard time defining friendship. Uh, here's a good definition, uh, kind of. A friendship is a relationship between two people who have mutual affection and respect for each other. Mutual affection and respect. That's, that's a basic thing. I love this thing that Eleanor Roosevelt, how many people know who Eleanor Roosevelt was? And the rest of y'all, y'all don't know stuff. She was the, she was the first lady from the 30s, I think for seven years, 38 to 45, I think, 1945. The long, huh, 33? Wow, she was the longest first lady ever because her husband was the longest president ever. And she changed the way the first lady uh, she, she was like a forerunner. She cut the, up in that time, first ladies were sort of non-voices. She became a voice. She became an activist, if you will. She became somebody who was saying stuff and speaking into the life of this nation 
as a first lady. Like we've seen many first ladies since them do that. Some have, some haven't. And some of us great and some of us not great. But that's what she, she was an amazing person uh, in our nation. And this is what she said that was most amazing to me. Many people will walk in and out of your life, but only true friends will leave footprints in your heart. Only true friends will leave footprints in your heart. And this beautiful verse here says that so well, Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled, but they, and they realized they had been with Jesus. Jesus left footprints, and I'll add handprints, all over the hearts of those men. There was this relationship with them, and, and, and it affected their life. His, his, his footprints were literally imprinted into their hearts, and that's, that's what we're looking for. That's the thing. That, that verse right is the thing that, for me, is what I'm looking for with God. I want God's handprints all over my life. I want God's footprints all over my heart. I want that because we have this relationship. And you can see that in the natural. I am very influenced by my friends, okay, the few I have. And I don't have a whole lot of friends, but I will tell you this. Becky and I used to tell people many, many times before we became pastors of a church is the people who pastored us most were our friends. Those were the people who had the biggest impact on our life because, one, we chose friends that were spiritually minded people and that we're going to influence and impact our life and I can just recount over and over in my life where my friends uh, admonished me, challenged me and provoked me they left their handprints in my life, they left their footprints in my life and see that's really what, what we're looking for I've also studied friendship just you know a, a few I just want to give you a few natural this, this is natural okay, are y'all alright? Uh, about friendship, what friendship provides us. Uh, and, and see, that's, and the reason I was looking at these natural things because I was trying to understand how to have this friendship with an invisible God. You, you see where I'm going with this thing? I was trying to figure out how in the heck am I going to have a friendship with this invisible God because I don't know how to have a friendship with Him. And so I began to study friendship in the natural because many times the natural world and the creation speaks of God, and I feel like maybe there would be a doorway into this that would help me see how to be, 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 be a friend to God. And there's a many things, obviously, about that, but here's one is that it provides a sense of connection. Uh, every person has that need built into their life. We all have this need to be connected to other people and other groups. Nobody wants to be a loner, and even loners don't want to be loners. And I'm kind of a loner kind of person. But I don't want to be a loner. I have this need in my life to be connected to other people and, and to rub shoulders with other people and hear their thoughts and hear their feelings and hear what they have to say about me and, and let me be able to say stuff to them. That's the way God created us to live. Um, friends make us feel connected in a way that provides us with a deep sense of comfort, identity, and belonging. Just knowing that you have someone to call when you need a hand or a shoulder to cry on provides us with a sense of contentment. Right? Peace of mind. Having someone you can be yourself with. Just be yourself with. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody you can just be, be the real you. The real ugly you sometimes. The real ugly you that sometimes needs to vent. Right? Sometimes you need to vent. You need to have somebody you can talk to to tell them when you're having a bad day and they're going to sit there and listen to you 
And they go just going like, yeah, 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 you know, come on. They might not be having that. We all need that because there's times when we need somebody to vent and we know that they'll sit there and listen to us. They won't judge us. They won't criticize. They're not going to go, oh, God, he's falling away. So you can't vent to everybody. You really can't. You can't, you can't open your heart up to everybody. That's, don't think that's some spiritual thing to do because that would be stupid to do. Jesus had certain people he would open his heart up with, right? He had close people. Peter, James, and John were very close to Jesus. Then you had the others, and then you had the others, and you had the others. You can't open your life up to everybody, but you can friends. And that's why we need our friends, that sense of connection. And I'll tell you something, we all need people that believe in us. Everybody in this room, you need somebody that believes in you. And that's what a friend will do. A friend will believe in you when nobody else will. You know, a friend will be there for you when everybody rejects you. Even when you have blown it and are bad, a friend will be there for you. And they may tell you, you're bad, you've blown it. But I'm still your friend, I still love you. Because I see in you something. I still believe in what I see in your heart, who you really are. That's what a friend, a real friend can do for us. That's what God does for us. That's what God does for us. Another thing is, is a sounding board. Like I was saying, we need, you know, times of event. We also need people we can talk to about our dreams. Just to talk to them about. Tell them, this is what I feel. This is what I'm thinking. Our dreams. What we want to do with our life. What, what's going on with our I just need somebody I can talk to about it. And it's not going to be a deal. And just share those things. It's like they're, they're a sounding board and they can talk back to us and tell us what they see. See, we're seeing everything from in here. They can look at us and see things from out here. Y'all following that? That's a, um, an amazing thing about friends. And lots of times they'll help talk you through things. And as you talk, you begin to understand stuff about yourself and about what you feel like God's showing you that you couldn't get just on your own. Okay, and that's really what uh, the Lord really does. And I, in, in some ways, <laughs> they're like free counselors, your friends. They're like, you know, you don't need to go pay a counselor. Forget that. You've got a daggone friend over here that can counsel you through this, right? Maybe in some situations you might want to go to a counselor, okay? <laughs> but I'm, I'm just saying many times our friends, like I was saying, for us, for Becky and I, they were like pastors to us. We didn't have to go call our pastor every time we were trying to make a big decision. We talked to our friends about it. And lots of times, sometimes they'd say, you need to go talk to the pastor about that. They would, they'd be smart enough to know they weren't going to try to tell you something they didn't feel like they could. But I think that's an amazing thing. Another part of friendship is trust. It teaches you about trust. And we all need to learn about trust, right? Trust, to be able to have somebody you can tell stuff to and you not to worry about the next day everybody's going to know it. Oh, did you hear what Byron said? That boy's in bad shape. He shouldn't be a pastor. Uh, he told me some stuff yesterday. I just don't believe that he's, good, he's in good shape. We need to... We need to. Now, you, you don't have to worry about that. You've got a friend who will talk to you. Even when you talk bad to them and say bad things, they're still your friend. They're not going to tell everybody, I'll oh, stay away from him. He's a, he's a jerk. So it really teaches us about being, uh, you know, learning how to be fr- trustworthy. God wants to teach us how to be trustworthy. God, God wants to show us that he's trustworthy. And that's one of the ways we find, listen, about trust. I, this is how I found out about trust in the Lord. This is how I discovered the trust thing. When I really needed to trust him, I found out I didn't trust him. Now, let's just get real here. When I desperately needed to trust God, I found there was no trust in me. That's when I found the trust of Christ in me. 
that I can't make myself trust God. But I can trust God with that person that's living inside of me, with the power of God that's in me, and learning how to tap into that instead of trying to be, make myself be something I'm not. Well, anyways, another thing about friendships is, is health. Actually, they've done studies on people who have close friends that your actually is a benefit to your health because you have people you can talk to to help you in stressful situations, which will help your blood pressure, which will take, help your heart. So that it's been medically proven that people with friends tend to not get as many diseases as people who don't have friends. That would make me want to get up and go find a friend right now if I didn't have any. Like, I've got to go find a friend. I don't want to get diseases, right? And there's obviously the psychological benefits to having friendship, which is an increase in self-esteem and a sense of belonging, which are really important. That's pretty good, isn't it? Let me uh, shift into more spiritual mode now, okay? Let me read John fifteen fifteen. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. That's, that's important. But I have called you friends. See, friendship's a calling from Christ. It's an invitation from Christ. I've called you friends. For all things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So God, Jesus has spent three, almost three and a half years with these men, uh, teaching them about ministry, teaching them about the kingdom of God, teaching them how to heal people, teaching them how to, dig, to get rid of the devil, teaching them about religion. But now here he is in the last 24 hours of his life, he's really dialing into what's most important. And he's saying, I've taught you all these things. I've given you all these things. But there's something that's really more important than all of that is I am now calling you beyond just being a servant but being a friend. Remember this. Friendship is an appointment. It is your calling, okay? Your serving is an assignment. Can I, make, can I get everybody to get that? Because a lot of Christians are so dumb about this, okay? They, they think God's called me to be a friend. Now I'm no longer going to serve. Well, that's just so stupid because Jesus came to serve. And so you're going to place yourself above him and not be a servant. Serving is your assignment. It's what God's assigned you to do. You got that? Friendship is who you are as a part of your appointment of life. It's what he's called you to be day and out, a friend. It really is. It took me a long time to figure that out because I was one of them dumb guys. Like, heck, I don't have to be a, I ain't got to do nothing. You know, I'm just going to be lazy. Now I realize Jesus wasn't lazy. You know, and so he, I'm just messing with you, okay, but maybe not. (laughs) You know, Jesus came to serve us. He's he's always going to serve us. Being a servant is really important in terms of your assignment. But being a friend is really important in terms of your relationship with God and who you are. It has to do with your identity. So this invitation for friendship was not a new way of thinking in the Hebrew culture. Let me read Psalm 103, verse 7. It says, uh, this is talking about God. God made it known His ways to Moses, His acts to the children of Israel. In other words, God showed Moses His ways. He revealed to Moses the inner workings of His heart, where the children of Israel only saw the acts. 
So there was, some, there was a thought behind those acts. Why is God doing this? How, you know, what's going on? Only Moses knew that. Why did he know this? Uh, Exodus 33, 11. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. See, God considered Moses a friend. So he began to share the thoughts of his heart, the intimate part of his heart. Not just, oh, God's doing this. No, this is why I'm doing it. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. That's the kind of things that God began to, to share with Moses because God considered Moses his friend. The Bible also tells us in James 2, 3 that the Lord called Abraham a friend of God. The father of our faith, a person of faith, the faithful people have this calling to be a friend of God. So you see with the Hebrew thought pattern, when Jesus said, I invite you into friendship, they didn't have all this crazy stuff going on like Christians do about servant versus friend. There was none of that. They understood they understood they were called to serve. They understood that this friendship had to do with who they were and their relationship with the Lord. Amen? Are you okay? Yes. So in Christ, we're all offered friendship. Now, here's, there's several things that will happen in your life when you choose friendship. Okay, there's several shifts that will happen in your heart, is what I'm saying. When you begin to go after friendship with God, things begin to shift. Okay, and the first one is what you know changes. That's what Jesus says. You're going to know different things. There's going to be revelation released to you. You want revelation from the Lord? This is the key to it. Instead of just knowing what the Bible says this, God's going to give you revelation on what that Bible verse says. That's the thing that shifts because servants don't know what their master is doing. If all we are is servants, we are missing out on a whole world of truth, a whole revelation realm. And I'm thinking, I'm big into the revelation realm. And so I think this is, this is it. Servants don't have access to the personal thoughts and inner workings and feelings of God's heart. Servants don't have access to that, but friends do. That, that's sort of stimulating, right? All right, the next thing is your experience will change. Your encounters with God are going to be completely different as a friend versus a servant. God will begin, I'm telling you, it'll be a completely different encounter realm that you'll enter into. If all you are is a servant, you're, all your encounters are going to be about what you're doing. You're going to be missing out about who you are, about who God is. You see what I'm saying? There's a whole different re- revelation realm of encounter that will begin to take place as a friend. That's why you hear all this stuff up here this morning about identity. That's coming out of friendship. That's not coming out of what you do and how you achieve this, how you do that. It's coming out of your relationship. And that's the thing about a friend. They get into that. I think that's really wonderful. Uh, Many of your desires, okay, and many of your values will change. And I'm going to tell you something. Here's the biggest shift you'll experience. God's presence will become the most precious thing to you. God's presence will become the most precious thing to you. If you're a friend, his presence will be high, your number one priority on your list. Listen, I've had this terrible, these terrible opportunities to be with families in crisis. I've, I've sat in funeral homes, you know, the, the receiving line thing. I've sat in funeral homes and watched families, and I've watched them when those true friends showed up. I've watched them in a moment of calamity when the true friends showed up, the, the expression on people's faces, which completely shift because the friend was there. The friend was there. Everything's going to be all right. Somehow I'm going to make it because my friend's here. And my friend has made this. I would have never got through this moment if they weren't there. 
Things shift. That's why I'm saying when, 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 when we become a friend, when his presence show up, everything is like, oh, everything's going to be all right. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because his presence here, and that's what you will desire more than anything else in your life. When they were saying, tell the Lord how much you love him. Well, that's easy for a friend because a friend feels that love for their friend. You know, I've gotten some friends that have made me so mad I could kill them. I've wanted to fight them. I was so mad. But at the end of the day, I loved them. At the end of the day, I loved them, and I wanted to quit feeling that way towards them. And I fought those feelings. Like, I don't want to feel this way. This is, this is my angry flesh. But in my heart, I loved them, and I would have done anything for them. If they had called me even in the midst of my anger and said, I desperately need you, I would have been right there for them. I just think this is such a powerful thing about our relationship with the Lord. And then your function in life will radically change. Obviously, instead of working for Him, you will work with Him. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, we are God's fellow workers. Paul the Apostle, we are God's fellow workers. That's a friend who's working with this person. He's not working for him. He's, working, he's not trying to do something to serve him. He's serving with this person. Is that good? Yeah. You work for his favor. You don't work for his favor. You work from his favor. And, and then when you have that, God's going to entrust more of his authority and power and anointing to you. Isn't that powerful? And then the last thing, of course, is your identity. I'm not going to go on that because Ryan covered that so beautiful this morning. It's about living out of your identity. Christians who live out of their, who they really are can't be crippled by the crummy opinions of people. Christian people or non-Christian people. When you're living out of your true identity, that stuff doesn't really affect you as much. It'll affect you at first, but you'll get over it pretty quick. Because you're living out of an identity that's not from here. It's from Him. And friendship has an impact on your identity. Your natural friends will impact your identity. You know, birds of a feather. That's what my mama always used to tell me. Birds of a feather flock together, son. Quit hanging around with those guys because you're going to be like them. It was sort of a negative thing. Birds of a feather flock together. In other words, if you're going to go hang with those boys, you're going to be a bad boy. Like mama... Their parents were telling them, telling, telling them about me to stop hanging around me. I was the bad guy. You just don't know that yet because you're my mom and you think I'm really nice. All right, I got to finish. But here's this. How do, this is it, the punchline. How do we enter into friendship relationship? Let me read one more verse to you. But one thing is needed, like Luke 10, 42. And Mary has, listen, chosen that good part. One thing is needed. Mary did what? She chose it. Okay? And it will not be taken away from her. Mary has chosen. God has offered everybody in this room friendship. You've been offered friendship. That's the truth. Whether you believe it or not, He has offered like, listen, will you be my friend? He's offered it to you. You had to choose it. You had to choose it. That's how you enter into friendship with God. It's a choice that you and I make. And then once we make that choice, then God begins, will we'll help us with it. I thought, yeah, I'm going to have this friendship with the Lord, and I went through some blank stages. Like, uh, friendship, this is kind of blank, God, because, you know, I feel kind of like there's this, you know, I said something, and it was blank for a while. You know what I'm saying? The, the slate's blank. I ain't hearing nothing. I ain't seeing them. I ain't, I ain't getting nothing. 
I was getting stuff from ministry, but hey, if, if, I only, if I'm only getting stuff from ministry, I'm just a servant. I need to get something for life with being with this person. So, a friendship with God is not to be achieved, rather received. The more I tried to be a friend of God, listen, the less it worked. The more I tried and worked at this friendship, the less it worked for me. It felt like I was pushing myself away from God. It felt like I was pushing God away from me because I was trying so hard to be this friend. I was trying how to know this person and trying to be a friendship. It wasn't working. That's where the blank spaces came from. Because I was trying. The more I tried, the less it worked because I wasn't in a position of just receiving and letting Him help me be a friend. Letting the Holy Spirit, who happens to be called what? Helper, help me, Holy Spirit. That's a good prayer. Help me be a friend and let this thing happen. You know, the Bible says Jesus is a friend of sinners. I'm thinking, well, if he's a friend of sinners, he's got to be a friend of saints also. And I'm a saint. I used to be a sinner. Now I'm a saint. I moved into sainthood. Everybody in this room, you're in the saint. If you're a Christian, you're a saint. Now, you're not a sinner anymore. That's not your identity. You're a saint. I know that's hard for you to believe. You don't need any church somewhere to tell you to bestow sainthood on you. Jesus has already made you a saint. And so you, if Jesus loves sinners, which he does, and he's called the friend of sinners, he said to, to Judas, when Judas was betraying Jesus with a kiss, he said, friend, do you betray me with a kiss? Friend. He called him a friend. He wasn't being a smart aleck. It's because he's a friend of sinners. He was trying to tell us something at that moment. Look what, how bad this guy's being. He's really being bad. He's doing the worst thing you could possibly do. What am I calling him? Friend. That says something about the heart of the Lord. For all of us sitting in this room like, well, we can never be friends with God. Yes, you can. And you're a saint. So... You can just grow from there, right, in your friendship. Does anybody? Yeah, that's good. I'm thinking, I'm helping, help, Lord. So I want to say that's what I think the Spirit of Elijah ultimately lead us into is friendship. And how that friendship can come a whole new world opened up to you and I. A whole new world. And so I really want to encourage you about the friendship thing is a man can receive nothing unless it's given to him from heaven. It's receive. receive. Receive friendship from the Lord today. Receive it. Receive the Lord as a friend today. And don't try to be a friend. Let the friendship develop. Just let it. Say, Lord, I'm just going to let it. Whatever that let looks like. You know? Whatever that let looks like. I have a couple of friends that live away from me. That are all fuss that fuss at me, um, Byron. What's wrong with you? <laughs> this is on the phone. Nothing's wrong with me. What's wrong with you? Well, what's wrong with me is we wouldn't be friends if it was up to you, because I'm the only one that ever calls you. <laughs> like, oh yeah, no, I really think about you all the time. I love you. You're awesome. I feel ashamed right now because I never call you. <laughs> I feel bad that I'm not such a great friend sometimes. But you know what? Here's what their thought is. I still love you. I still want to be your friend. How much more God? 
How much more God today for you? Maybe you haven't been calling God, talking to God. How much more does he want to be a friendship to you? Want to have that relationship with you? See, when you begin to start believing that, it changes you. It changes your heart. It changes your outlook. It changes who God is to you. God really does want to be your friend. That's what Jesus said. I've called you to be friends. Come be my friend. Amen? Yes and amen. Come on. Ryan, come up here. Let's give Ryan a big hand. It's like awkward transition. Byron just makes everybody clap. <laughs> well, let's receive that friendship. Let's get that. So I encourage you to grab a hold of that before you go today. Stand up if you would. Let's, let's pray together and I'll release that and before we dismiss... Lord, we want to be your friend. We receive your friendship, God. Lord, we want to just be your friend. So help us in the let and help us to grow in relationship with you, Lord. Reveal your mysteries to us, Lord, through our friendship. Amen. I feel really strongly that this message was key for a lot of us, and including myself. I think we have come to believe so many things that are wrong about who we are in the Lord as sons and daughters. I, I feel the Holy Spirit wants to break some stuff off of us because He is our helper. He is the comforter. He's our friend now. He was sent to be with us. But we come to believe that we are more servants than friends sometimes, and we are both. But more important, we're sons and daughters, and from that comes a relationship and a friendship. And I feel the Lord wants to break some of that stuff up for us. You know, lies of the enemy is spoken over us and make you feel rejected when you come close to the Lord. And he say, I'm not, re-, the Lord is saying to you, I'm not re- rejecting you. I love you. I want you to come close to me so that I can speak my heart to you. And break off the lies of the enemy over your life. So if you are that person, please come to be, to receive ministry. Please come to receive what Byron was saying, that friendship from within you out. So don't be a, whatever is holding you back, I think the Lord wants to release that to you. I feel there are lies in here that God wants to deal with and break it off of your mind forever. Because you are a son and you are a daughter. And God is saying, I want to use you from there to bring my glory into the world. From there you can be served. From then there is power to see the gospel come to pass in people's lives. So I encourage you, come forward. There's people that's going to pray for you. Let's ride this way. The, the Holy Spirit is on it. And he wants you. He wants to set you free so you can be who you are in Him. Amen. Um. Also, there's one little tidbit here that the Lord wants to speak to certain individuals. In, in that verse and psalm that Pastor shared about the voice of the Lord causing the deer to give birth. This is something, a secret in here, a biological secret that many people don't know. And certainly, it was just a mystery. Deer are one of the rarest animals that we, they will resorb their young if the conditions are poor. They will not give abort their child. They will just 
cause them to not exist. They will resorb the embryo. And I'm telling you this, the Lord is saying that if your dreams feel like they have no longer exist, that is wrong. The voice of the Lord causes what does not exist to exist. He causes what thing that might come to be aborted, you think it will, and then it will no longer exist. He says, no, it will exist. I will do that. I am going to do that because my voice causes it to come to pass. So come on up if you want prayer today. And you don't have to come up to get prayer. If you want to pull somebody around you and you feel more comfortable having a friend pray for you, then do that. But we want to pray for you too today if you want that. So come on up. Our prayer team's here. We want to pray for healing too. If you need healing, we always want to pray for that. If not, then you can be dismissed. We love you all. Have a great week. Have a blessed week. Oh, I need it's all.